Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, and Dave, and we are recording um, a week after our last time, and the, the tone has changed, the vibe has changed, a lot has happened. So we are we are excited to to get into it. So why don't we just say hi and then get into it? Let's start first with Steve. Hi, how are you? How's it going? Hi, daylight savings time really fucks you up when you have a kid, right? That's a good point. It's rough enough just as an adult. Yeah, different story with a little kid, right? Little fucker decided, oh, I'm going to get up at 5.30 this morning because I think it's 6.30. And then when, you know, bedtime comes around, he's like, well, I'm tired. It's like, tough shit, kid. You got to stay up another hour. My experience has always been today's not the bad day. It's tomorrow that's the one where where it all hits you, like when your your body's truly trying to adjust. We'll see. Yeah, well, I can take you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else's problem for eight hours. Yeah, there you go. And how about you, Mike? How are, how are you doing? You can, you're coming off of a uh, fun-filled weekend, right? Yeah, I uh, headed to the uh, Adirondacks with some friends. Um, you know, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. The uh, friend of mine's uh family or in-laws are um descendants of the the whitney's and the vanderbilts so we know the vanderbilts but it's the whitney's of the eli whitney fame hmm. so they have an old an old uh cabin residence on um something around thirty-six thousand acres of land uh up there in the middle of nowhere new york and uh <clears throat> It's pretty cool. It's like a compound. There's like four or five different buildings. Um, there's one main house, the, which was the house that was built in 1890. Um, and then there's a, there's a couple other houses. Like only one of them has actual heat, which is where we stayed. Cause it was, uh, it got down to 19 degrees last night. <laughs> so, um, but we went out there fishing just to see if we could, you know, maybe get lucky and catch a couple of fish. And uh, I actually got, I caught one and uh, a couple of my other buddies caught two a piece and my other friend, Pat, didn't catch any, but um, no, it was pretty successful. The, the fish I caught was about uh, two and a half pounds. It wasn't, it wasn't huge by any stretch, but they were lethargic, you know, given the, given the time of year, I've never caught a fish this late in the year. So uh, I would consider that successful. We also had uh Many of many laughs and uh, many drinks. <laughs> and Mike, and did you whole, eat, did you eat the fish food. you caught? Did you eat the fish you caught, or did you let the guy go back? No, we uh, we put him back in. Um, it's funny that the pond that we went on. Um, there's there are so few fishermen out there that that fish that pond. Uh, it's more of a lake, but it, they call it a pond. Um, they say that the, the fish die of old age. <laughs> before before they get caught or before they uh, get eaten by a predator because there's no other predators the place is just filled with bass but unfortunately we weren't hitting them because the water was too cold and you know my uh my deep water lures uh weren't, weren't helping me out when i thought they would very nice glad you glad you made it back from a uh what sounds like a fun but chilly trip i do have to tell you guys this and steve this will maybe it'll resonate with both of you, but Steve, it may connect with you. So I, um, I had to go down, my wife and I went down to DC this past week for some work-related stuff and, uh, was driving down 
you know, from where I live, it's about a seven hour drive, but it can stretch to eight or eight and a half, just depending on how traffic behaves. And um, it gets longer when you're, you're on the Southern end of the Jersey turnpike and you just accidentally turn off on 95 towards Philly instead of like finishing the turnpike. Steve, can you picture what I'm talking about? I can. Yeah. That's so just... yeah. Like made that unfortunate move stuck in no man's land and had to go all the way through Philly. But the, the funniest part is stuck in traffic. Uh, I've got the Google maps on, you know, on my phone as we're clicking along and all of a sudden, like a block away from where we're stopped on the expressway, I see, four seasons total landscaping i'm like why do i know that place and then i go oh yeah that's that's from the rudy giuliani press conference and then i realized like this is the anniversary of um of all that going down so like literally did the drive-by of well didn't actually drive by but the drive past of four seasons total landscaping a year later i, I thought you'd enjoy that as a jersey guy that's that's incredible yeah i wish you had stopped to get a picture that's what my sister told me when I mentioned that to her. She's like, you didn't stop? No, I didn't. I didn't get off the rainy, dark expressway to go take a picture at the uh, at Four Seasons Total Landscaping. But that's it, creepy there. anyway, right? I mean, and clearly it's 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 been Googled enough that it shows up as a as a point on Google Maps for for people who are interested. But enough of that. Let's get going. Let's talk Spurs uh, again. Last week, we were in a low place. We were we were predicting a combination of one win, one loss this week and debating over which day of the week Nuno was going to be fired. And, and of course that, that happened pretty, pretty shortly thereafter happened on, on Monday morning. Steve, why don't you start out, talk us through your thinking just as the, uh, as the week unfolded and the Conte announcement seemed imminent. And uh, what were you thinking as, as that became official? You know, I, I mean, I was honestly kind of shocked that they pulled the trigger when they did. Like I said last week, I thought they would have waited until the international break and, you know, tried to use that time. Um, but from the sound of it, you know, a lot of the noise that, that you hear, um, you know, rumors, journalists throwing nonsense out there, it seems to be that um, whether it's Levy or, or Paradici or both of them were so upset um, during the, the Man United game that, it was like, you know, let's just go all in. Let's try to get our guy. Um, you know, you you see all the, it's hard to believe a lot of the stories that you read because, I mean, what coach is going to come in and go, well, you know, I wasn't doing anything and figured what the hell, you know, they're begging me, you know, it's whatever. Um, but, you know, him coming out and saying, you know, it wasn't that I didn't want it back in, um, back in the summer. It's that I wasn't ready, you know, emotionally. I was just coming off the uh, inter gig. So, you know, he's saying a lot of the right stuff and whether you buy that or not, you know, personally, I think it's, it's probably fair, you know, that, that falling out from, uh, from leaving Inter wasn't exactly a pleasant one. You know, I remember that being very heated, um, cause he essentially just, he won them their first league title in, in what a decade. Um, and then they just decided they weren't going to back him and they were going to start selling off some of their, their big talent, um, so, yeah, I, I get that. I get where he's coming from. Um, I know some people just don't buy it, but I mean, timing wise, it's not super great, right? I would have loved to have had him um, back in the summer so he could start working his magic. But I think the juxtaposition of, of Conte and Nuno just makes things, it's like, it's like night and day, right? Like you can... And, and we'll talk more about it when we get into the games, but you can physically see just in, in any moment of any of the last two games, 
how much different it is from what we were experiencing under Nuno. Um, and, and to me, that in and of itself makes the entire thing, you know, that, that sacking, the, the, the whole circus around that worthwhile, right? Because I think you've heard this from Mourinho, you heard it from Pochettino, you, you know, this, this goes back for a few years now, you heard the same thing, you need, we need patience, we need to, you know, build something, right? And, you know, when it was Pochettino, it was, well, you've been here for years, you know, you should have built something already. And, you know, he kind of did, but it fell apart, burnt out, whatever. Mourinho, you know, I can see people were saying, uh, well, you know, that's just Mourinho. He says things and, you know, it's kind of his excuse, right? Nuno was saying that stuff, but I think we all knew, having talked about it for the last like 10, 11 weeks at this point, it just didn't feel like there was any kind of plan right? Like he was just saying, we need to be patient, but wasn't showing us that he was deserving of our patience. So you get to this past week when, when Conte says something similar about, you know, we need patience with the team. Um, I'm much more willing to give it to him simply because of what I've seen over the last two games. You know, he's a man who has come in and he has stamped his presence on. And you can see, much like, you know, back when Pochettino first joined, there's something there. There will be good times ahead with these performances. We just have to work through some of the, you know, early sort of relationship pickups, you know, try to feel each other out, understand, uh, you know, what, what the squad needs from him, what he needs from the squad. And really, he, you know, I'm sure he's trying to figure out which players are going to work best under him still, too. Um, so there's there's still a bunch uh, that we need to to wait on before I think we're in like prime Conte era. Um, but I'm, I'm super excited. He's on board. Uh, these last two games have me like really energized. I can't wait to talk about him. I think he's going to bring something to this this team that we haven't had since that Champions League final. And that's this, this willingness to run through walls for, for each other. I think that we're going to see a lot of that now. And part of it might be because Conte will be pushing people through walls if they don't do what he wants. But that's part of the excitement, right? Like you want that coach who's just kind of, you know, I'm here for you. But if, you, if you're like 99% for me, I'm going to end you it's a hundred percent or it's nothing like no nonsense. Very, you know, I, I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate, um, you know, his personality so far, he's not one to shy away from a challenge. He's not one to, to, you know, kind of toot his own horn, rest in his own laurels, you know, look what I've won. It's look, this is going to be a struggle. We need patience. I'm here to win. I'm loving it so far. Mike, I'm wondering if you would expand on, on what Steve talked about when he said something looks different. Um, what, what is it that looks different? What are, the, what are those kind of intangibles or the tangibles that, that just feel and look different than what they did previously? What's, what's the number one thing that we, we saw and we talked about uh, you know, in the midweek? Uh, Harry Kane was running. Mm. Uh, Harry Kane was in the box. Right. Yeah. Um, Lucas Mora still doing Lucas Mora things. He, he I think he's going to find himself out soon as soon as they can figure a way to do it. Um, but I think I think the big thing is, you know, 
<clears throat> it's Harry Kane running. That was the big thing for me. Um, but it wasn't just him. I, I think that I, I think that um, it's it's not necessary. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the coach, but it probably is. Um, Harry Kane is no. He's not stupid. We we shit on him for what he does on the field um, and his and his choices that he's made um, off the field and contracts and, and that kind of stuff. But he's he's not a stupid guy. He knows who Conte is. And he knows what he expects out of out of his players. <clears throat> you know, I'm pretty sure. You know, Harry thought he could come in and just push Nuno around because Nuno's a nice guy, and I, I think he kind of did. And uh, he had his little hissy fit, um, and and Daniel Levy said, "Okay, now have your fucking hissy fit. I dare you." And I'm sure Conte said the same thing to him. I guarantee you they had a meeting. And Conte probably said the same thing to him that that you saw Jose say to, you know, Deli Alley on the on the documentary is you're a lazy player. So I mean, I'm I'm sure there's something to maybe, you know, who the hell knows what, you know, I'm not I'm not in the room, obviously, but um I, I saw a lot of uh, a lot of constant attacking in the first 15 to 20 minutes on, on Thursday. And, um, you know, obviously it, it yielded three goals, um, all very well played. Um, so I, I, I think that was a, a lot to do with a lot to do with the guys going out there and saying, OK, uh, coach, this is this is who I am. This is what I can do. You know, you're you're trying to you're auditioning, um, for lack of a better ter- better term, but you are auditioning for for the part. And uh, these guys went out there and hustled, and in doing so, I think they probably ran themselves out of gas really quickly because they they weren't conditioned well, you know, um, and they haven't been conditioned well in the past for probably two and a half three seasons. So you know, these guys ran out of legs really quickly um, playing at that pace. And I think that kind of that's probably a little bit to you know what played into um, our 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 play today, the game today. You know, um, it wasn't as exciting; it was a little boring. Um, but I, I think that they kind of wanted to sit back at first instead of just directly attacking, which I think was probably the wrong the wrong idea. But I'd rather just straight off the bat like a shotgun get out like a shotgun and just go for it um i saw you know i I, i've been seeing things that are different uh we're shooting outside the box um we're we're pressing on the uh on the other in the other team's defensive third um on goal kicks and on uh on on possessions um on open possessions so i it's just the whole attitude is different the whole the whole shape is different um you know, Nuno tried to run a three, four, three, right. And it didn't work. It was a lot of bouncing around passing. He's still trying to get them to play that, that over the top pass that wasn't ever working because you couldn't get Harry Kane to do what you wanted him to do. You couldn't get Delhi um, or, or Bergwine or Lucas or Son forward ever in that offense. So they went back to the four, two, three, one, you know, because that's what these guys have been playing for years. So 
I think Conte, he's had, what, two days, really? Three days of training with them? Two and a half days? You know, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to see this happen overnight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a long time. People want it to happen overnight, but it's not going to. I, I just, I, I uh, and I'm, and I'm reserving, I'm reserving my, uh, my joy for a time when we actually start winning games because, you know, we've heard all the same, this, this shit before. I know he's a different guy, um, but we've heard all the same shit before. And, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me, you're fool. See, I sound like George Bush now. Fool me once, shame on me. Shame on you. Fool me once. Uh, whatever, you know. Can't get we fooled get again. We, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get fooled again, right? Um, don't so try to fool me. That, that's your message. Don't, don't fucking fool me. fool me because you know I, I, we're not going to go away. But the thing is, like, fans get pissed off, and, and, and it seems like in soccer, fans get pissed off, and shit happens. God damn, I can't believe I couldn't get that out of my mouth. <laughs> my mother used to say it to me all the time. It should be ingrained. Hey, uh, hey, Mike, I, I do want to throw out, um, I heard today, this is entirely localized, localized information, but your former high school and the joint team with the school where I work uh, won the state championship in boys soccer slash football today. So uh, that's a big one. Very nice, huh? Yeah, that is a big one. Um, <clears throat> we're we're a school that wasn't traditionally a big big soccer school. We're we're a big football program, you know, um, historically in the state. So um, when I was in school, we did have soccer team. Um, I, I guess they were pretty okay. Um, we had a lot of foreign exchange students on that team, you know. So we had you know we had kids from Brazil. We had Japanese players. We had um, two kids from Germany who played like, so those teams were good, but they were, you know, never championship teams. So it's, it's pretty exciting news to hear, especially from a couple of clubs who couldn't get enough or a couple of schools who couldn't get enough players to play, uh, yeah. you know, for their respective schools. So. Absolutely. Good stuff. That's great. And, and uh, I, I don't know how Mill River did in football this year, but hopefully that, that worked out too. Yeah. Moderate. Moderate, moderate to mediocre at best but hey we'll, we'll take what we can get no sure. question no question all right let's get uh let's get into some tactical stuff see if you get to pick you want to you want to spend a lot of time on the midweek match or do you want to just jump into kind of the uh the weekend everton match what's your preference your call i i'm dying to talk about what i saw in the midweek match that i don't think i've seen in in a couple seasons now at this point um so I, i'm gonna dive in there um we don't have to spend a lot of time on it because it was a win that we should have had um and it should have been easier to be honest but uh we got it um i think everton's probably the more interesting one to talk through but so for me um the midweek fixture so it was the first time we saw conte set up in his you know sort of like three four three uh style formation with his wing backs and you know three central defenders you know the whole nine yards there um, and we saw how effective it can be. You know, we got three goals inside a half an hour. It was brilliant. It was exciting. There was a lot of, you know, fun moments, uh, fun interchanging between the wingers, between the midfield, you know, everything about it looks nice. Um, you know, we conceded twice, you know, that kind of sucked. Um, 
know, so obviously it's, it's still the Spurs defense, you know, there's still some, some uh, kinks to work out there. Um, but what changed, right? So Romero got himself sent off early in the second and there were no changes made. You know, a lot of times when you've got a defender that gets sent off, it's almost, you know, like, like immediately an attacker is going to come off for a defender. That didn't happen. Conte kept playing with the guys that he had on the field. And obviously not the same formation, you know, he, he changed things up uh, to, to compensate for, uh, you know, a, a defender missing, but he, he wrote it out for a little while. And then around like the 60, 65th minute mark, he made three changes that at the time I thought were just bonkers to make, right? You, you had Winks come on, you had Ndombele come on. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling to remember who that third change was. Um, but, you know, I remember thinking at the time, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this makes absolutely no sense to it me. Was, it was Dave Sanchez, right? Sanchez. Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. He brought those three guys on. I was so confused at the time, but then they started playing from that moment on and you could start to see what just happened Conte switched his tactics so that he went from playing this really wide, expansive game to narrowing the field down and forcing everybody to essentially have to play into this tight, compact space, um, which, you know, defensively makes perfect sense. You're holding on to a one goal uh, lead at that point. You're down to 10. You need to tighten things up. Great. But the, the, the interesting thing for me is when you bring on Ndombele and Winks, you're essentially giving yourself an outlet through the middle to play from, right? Like long gone are the day are the days of, uh, you know, defense just boot the ball up and you know wait for more pressure to come on. Just get it out of here, and then when they come again, you know we can reset and and you know try to keep them out. This sort of enabled them to to not just long ball out from from danger, but to really play through. The center of the field, you know, Winks actually had a, a decent performance in that that half hour or so that he was out there. Um, but but getting him out there to play these quick um, progressive passes, you got Ndombele to take the ball, hold it, run, break the challenges, uh, and you keep Kane on there as that focal point for your attack. It was incredible to see just you know the change in shape, the change in tactics, and not just let's park the bus, but let's get more defensively solid with an outlet for attack so we can still try to press our advantage when the opportunity arises. Then, um, you know, Vitesse had, had a player sent off and then they had their goalie sent off. On comes Lacelso, another change in tactics, another change in approach to the game. This isn't something that, we, that we've seen under Nuno. It's not something we really saw out of, out of uh, Jose. You know, those were very much guys who played their system and they kind of moved people around to fit within their system. Not Conte. Conte on his first day out there changed three different times. You know, this initial lineup, the one that he had to play after the Romero card, and then the one that he threw out there with the Lacelso edition to try to, you know, pressure them some more. You know, it, it, it wasn't so much about defending. It was, look, we have the man advantage now. Let's get out there and do something about it. Um, so that, that for me, 
is what sold me on Conte immediately. Like just his his tax his tactical flexibility. We I talked about this, um, you know, maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, about needing that plan B, the plan C, the plan D. Conte comes with all of that. This dude makes changes, and even if they don't seem like they make sense at the time, there's a reason for it. Um, and and that's what's exciting for me. It's not just a like for like. Let's swap somebody out. It's you know what this isn't working. We need a new approach. You know what they've done has changed. We need to change to adapt. Um, it's a different system, but he's got these guys playing it. And 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 honestly, they were doing it well when they needed to make the change. Even after Romero got sent off, I can't think of a single moment after that point where I felt like Spurs were threatened. Um, and then you know you look at the the Everton game and and I think you know Mike's got some thoughts on that that uh, he'll share in a second but it was a lot of the same stuff right you saw his same initial lineup um, and then you know he kind of tweaked things a little more subtly than the midweek um, you know I don't think they were quite as drastic they didn't need to be as drastic um, but it's 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 not really this concept of like for like it's we need a different approach. I'm going to use the players. I'm going to, more importantly, use them in, in the areas that I feel that complement their skill set best. You know, no more throwing those Celso in, in a, a position that, you know, wants defensive work. Let's throw him on for, for Lucas Mora and let him, you know, run on the right wing there a bit. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really loving the, the flexibility there, the changes there's there's a lot more thought I feel that's being put into it and I'm I'm so happy for that because for me I mean even though it was a nail biting end to midweek you know three two isn't exactly super convincing you know at, at the end of the day I, I felt better about that than I did against any game including the one nothing win against City uh, under Nuno. It just, you know, it felt like even when we lost control, we still had a plan and we could still, you know, recover from that. I, I remember must have been like five, six, seven seasons ago now when, you know, Spurs would concede and then you would you had that feeling like, oh, well, we can we got this. We can come back from this. It's been that long since I felt like that again. And after Vitesse scored twice, I still felt, look, you know what? I think we've got this. I don't feel worried about this at all. I think Conte's got a plan. And sure enough, he had his plan B. He had his plan C. And that got me so pumped to, to, to talk about him today. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with a, you know, an international break to work with some of these guys that get left behind. Um, Steve, yeah. I'm going to build on your, your comments about his alternative plans, right? The, the backup plans. And I'm, I, I know I fall back on this a lot, but I, I just feel like it's meaningful. So acknowledging again, I'm a, I'm an American fan, acknowledging that I, I grew up playing American sports, baseball, basketball, and American football, right? So those are the sports that I understand um, intuitively. Like I get all of the, the dynamics of those. I understand player movement, lineups, um, tactical decisions mid-game. And I also recognize that those sports, each of those sports offers a lot of interim periods where adjustments can be made, right? You can call timeouts in, in basketball and football, and you can adjust on the fly. You can make substitutions relentlessly. In baseball, there's some restrictions, but basketball and football, definitely not. Um, 
and you could adjust on the fly. And one thing that I, that I've always struggled with in watching soccer is because of the substitution dynamics, you know, teams are often limited in being able to make those wholesale adjustments on the fly. And sometimes you hope that teams will come out at halftime with an adjustment, but you don't, you don't always see an adjustment because the system is still there and the same players are still there. And one thing I loved about what I've seen with Conte the last couple games, the first couple games is even with the same players on the pitch, there's a willingness to adjust those tactics. And like you said, he's got backup plans and he's ready to pull the trigger on those. And that's, um, that's exciting. That's, that's exciting for someone who's been looking for, for that type of thinking and decision-making again, I'm a novice at analyzing it, but um, I'm uh, I'm excited about what it means possibly for us as a team moving forward. Mike, what are your thoughts on that? And then uh, why don't we transition also into the match from today, the Everton match? No, I think you're I, I think you're 100 percent spot on with the uh, with that analogy. You know, other American traditionally American sports. Um, I you know it. I also think of uh, of hockey. You know, hockey. Uh, is similar to soccer in that, you know, lots of changes have to be made kind of on the fly, except with, with, with hockey, you guys, you have guys taking, you know, between one to three minute shifts out there, depending on your position, but still it's kind of, you have to kind of, you do have to move and you have to switch your tactics on the, on the fly often. Um, and, and, you you know as as a coach you have to show willingness to do that um in soccer it feels like you have to have show a willingness to do that and and you know i don't think nuno was willing to do that jose sure as fuck wasn't um he was he's not willing to change for anyone um by the way he's really you know, let alone the talent he had with roma right now isn't he <laughs> <laughs> sorry sidetrack there <laughs> um yeah, he's he's got some fucking problems. I mean, in in the the least of it, the least of it are you know his club or his players. You know, it's it's his fucking attitude, and uh, you know we give him the benefit of the doubt for a while, which I guess all all fans do. Um, but so that's kind of the difference between what we what we've gotten. Uh, Conte is that he's willing to change his tactics. He, like a shift on the fly for a wheel drive. That's what I'm going to call him. Um, he's out. He's, he doesn't have to stop, you know, mid game, get out, turn the hubs. He can just shift right into four wheel drive if he needs to. Um, so we've got a manager who can do that. We have a manager who has won stuff currently. We have a manager who has, um, who has changed the way he plays the game according to, um, how the game itself has changed where you have somebody like Mourinho who refused to change for anybody and Nuno who didn't know how to do that. So um, that said, uh, you know, I think in the midweek, I think Romero got a little bit reckless. Um, It happens. He's got a new manager. He's trying to, you know, play his balls off for his new manager. He's trying to play his balls off for his club. Um, I, I think he's dedicated to this team as is, uh, as our, uh, our, you know, our other newer arrivals. Uh, I, I think it looks to me like Sergio's out there uh, 
um, you know, giving it his all. And I think that um, Emerson's out there giving it his all. So I, I, I like our defense and I like our defensive setup. Um, so getting to today, um, I'd never thought like, it was a pretty boring game. So I missed the first, most of the first half because I was in and out, in and out of spotty service, but I, you know, um, I got to see the, the early tackle on Harry Kane. Um, I got to see, you know, I mean, Everton came out and said, it said, I don't give a shit who you are, who your new manager is. We're not gonna let you fuck with us. I mean, that was a, they put a hard tackle on Harry Kane and, you know, that's the way that's the way they wanted to start the game and play the game that way. Um, that said, I never felt really threatened by them. Um, even with Hugo's uh, boneheaded move to come out of the goal that early um, to play that ball. Um, if you didn't get that fingertip on it, that's definitely a penalty. Um, you know, on one of the probably biggest problem children in, in the, the EPL and Richarlison. <laughs> uh, he's another one of those guys who just whines and cries when he doesn't get, I don't understand where these players keep coming from. He got all this talent, but they don't, they don't get a call. They whine and cry and bitch and complain. And uh, he's one of them. And he's a dirty fucking player too. He's dirty, but you know, that's a penalty 99 times out of a hundred. Um, and we got lucky with VAR today, but other than that, like, I never felt threatened by them in, in the, when they came into the box, I don't, I don't think, uh, it looks like kind of, they were disorganized. They didn't have a, they didn't have a plan or a game plan. Once they got into the box, there were no, there was nobody coming up to support them. Uh, Luca Dine did what he does and he's just a fucking annoying little pest. Um, you know, he he was able to to uh, to get a lot of these 50-50 balls. He was he was able to you know kind of come out of the midfield and nick the ball to, to to drive it up into the corner. But other than that, like I didn't I didn't ever feel uncomfortable on the defensive side. I think that the fact that we can move from a uh, a three man a three man defensive backfield. Um, to a five man pretty quickly and easily is, is testament to, to, you know, the, the, the winning that Conte has done in his career. Um, and I, and I saw it out there for the first time today, you know, watching how that, how that actually moves and how the, how all those moving parts work. And it was pretty interesting to watch. Um, and I think that played a a large part of it. What I did not like is um, I, I, I don't think that Skip and Hoiberg are going to work together in this system, in that midfield. Um, the play that we saw through the middle in the Vitesse game, we didn't see today. Um, it, it, actually, it actually made our offense kind of stagnant today. I, I, you know, Skip was okay. Um, I, know, I know the guys on NBC thought he was – playing a brilliant game his best game in the Spurs uniform I think they said at one point um I I didn't see it that way um you know Lucas uh again had another off day he had a bad second half which is why he got taken out in the Vitesse game 
Um, I don't think we're going to see much more of him. Um, I think his days are numbered. Um, though I said that at the beginning of the season too. <laughs> you did, true. And he keeps getting in there. Um, for for as much as I love him, I, I think he's going to end up being a detriment to 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 this team. Um, it's it's going to be. I think he's going to he's going to hurt the team more than he than he helps them. Um, he's just not a fit for for where this system's going. Is the way I see it. Right. I didn't see uh, in substitutions. I didn't see much out of Lacelso. Um, except for that one shot, which was which was a brilliant shot. Uh, uh, the guy I was really impressed with today was uh, was Ben Davis. Man, I think he's gonna. I think he's really gonna thrive in that role. Um, he uh, he also had a very nice shot that you know was not on target, but like he, he didn't even think twice about taking it. Um, I thought I, you know for what it's worth, we were we were better on the attack than they were, but um, I don't know what the what the possession was i think we won the possession game right but you know i again romero got a little sloppy um get a little chippy got himself a yellow again um you know when you had that little dust up with uh with richarlison um but i don't i you know our attackers didn't have a particularly great game uh doherty wasn't that bad um, he didn't offer too, too much, but he wasn't terrible. Um, I thought Emerson was good. Uh, he's quick enough to get back, uh, on a player, but I think it had, it also had a lot of that had to do with their, with their lack of attack and their lack of presence in the box. I just like, I like the, I like the, I like the tactical setup though. Yeah. Conte, that Conte brings it just, it allows us to, to defend a little higher, um, and for our forward players to press a little bit um, without worry of the ball going, you know, over the top of them um, on a breakaway. You know, Mike, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Romero and him getting a little chippy and a little sloppy. And as I think about it, he, he appears to be exactly who they said he is, right? Like he is aggressive. He, he oversteps his bounds at times. He, he goes beyond what you want him to do. I think I'm okay with that. Um, I like the chippiness. I realize the risk there is you accumulate enough yellows over a span of time and, you know, you end up having to sit out a match. So there's always that risk, but I like the, um, the physicality and the intensity that he brings to, to that, to that back line. I, I think there's some yeah, value he, in that. He, yeah, he doesn't give a shit. I mean, he'll, he, no. um, he, he's going to play his game the way he wants to play it. And I think Conte knows that, you know, I mean, he's going to allow him to do that. But he's got to, you know, he's also got to be taught to to do that shit houseery without picking up a second yellow, you know. Yeah. Without he's got to be able to be aggressive without picking up even the first yellow. So he's got to be taught that he's a young man yet. So so we need to get um, the lamella out of him, basically, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, that fucking guy never got a red card till the very end. Did he? <laughs> just, 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 <laughs> Lamella yellow. That, that's what you're looking for. Oh, Christ. You yeah. know, my, my, my assessment of what we saw today, and I saw a tweet that, that spoke to this and I wish I had um, held onto it so I could give the right attribution to the person, but basically it said like, love to see the crisp, quick passing to get out of trouble. We did a nice job with that today. The problem was our final ball was, had no touch was always too heavy um never connected right so like that's indicative of 
these players are out of shape. They're not in the, the type of shape that the Conte is going to want them to be in. But the good news is that's something that can be remedied over time. Um, some of these guys still don't make the best decisions that can be remedied over time through transfer windows or, or just how you organize the team, et cetera. But uh, I think we've, we've made the point a couple of times already, like there are positive signs there that in, in less than the span of a week, a team that we were distraught over last week, we, we've seen some signs of life that we feel, feel positive about. And uh, I'm encouraged that given a few weeks, uh, there's, there's a climb up the table in our future. Who knows where we end? Um, I've been saying from the start of the season, somewhere between fourth and seventh. I think I'm going to stick with that prediction, but I think there's a better chance that we creep closer to fourth than I was originally feeling. So that's, that's a, that's positive overall. What do you guys say? We take a pause. I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Mike, are you ready to roll? Oh, I'm ready to roll. I'm always ready for this. So it's time for, Hey Mike, what you drinking? And you know, the way to begin this is to ask the question, Hey Mike, what you drinking? Um, I always giggle at that. I, that's always funny to me. Uh, today I've got a, I've got a Hefeweizen. Ooh. Yeah. Um, a little bit again, late for one that I, rolling with it, right? It, it's another one that I found in the back of my beer fridge while I was, you know, shuffling things around. And I was like, wow. Um, so this came from, uh, from a buddy who just brought me back a grab bag of stuff uh, from Maine. This is from, from uh, Foundation Brewing um and i don't know it doesn't have a it doesn't have a date on here it's probably it's probably pretty old um (laughs) but uh it's called radiant waves it's from foundation brewing it's in portland maine um it is a hefeweizen which is a wheat ale uh it's 4.7 percent alcohol um which makes a lot of sense Oh, Hefeweizens aren't typically giant, you know, ABV bombs, but um, I'm going to pour this directly into this. I got this like 22 ounce giant. It's like the, uh, the giant beers that you get at like 99 restaurant, you know, <laughs> that's a great reference. It, you know, works too. <laughs> so, all right, we'll pop that open. Give it a good pour. Smell for good. anyone who doesn't know what 99 is, it's kind of like the off-market chilies or Applebee's, basically. Just just throwing that out for someone who's who's wondering what that means. It's it's the New England version of chilies. <laughs> there you go. They basically invented the boneless buffalo wing, though. I'd like basically. to see evidence of that. Who can claim I'm, that's what I'm that? saying? That's that's what I'm saying. So fuck you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm still a little saucy from the weekend. Um, I'm going to file so, a complaint with our HR department about that aggressive uh, <laughs> behavior. <laughs> Steve, can uh, you get on that I'll, for me? I'm going to all sick my union people on you. Uh, <laughs> God, no. All right. So typically uh, you get a, a half and They say smells, um, you can smell bananas, uh, sometimes bubble gum, um, sometimes coconut. Um, I don't know. Uh, it smells. It smells kind of banana-y, I guess. It doesn't. It's. It's not banana bread. I wouldn't say banana bread, banana, but um, I can smell that a little bit. I like Hefeweizen's. Uh, there was a. There was one that was made by um, a brewery out in Portland, uh, Oregon, um, that I really liked. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but 
Um, we'll see how this one tastes. Not like bananas, I'm sure. This beer is bananas. B A N A N A. This is no joke. It tastes like bubblegum. It tastes just like bubblegum. It's, it's really fruit. odd. Um, what it's, kind of bubblegum? We talking like fruit stripe or, you know, where, where are you going with this? No, 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 no. Fruit stripe's a stick. I'm talking like, um, like bubblicious, bubble yum, hubba bubba. Hubba, if you hubba, hubba bubba. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, hubba bubba was known for the, uh, the blueberry, the, the blueberry bubblegum. Um, this is really good. Um, yes. I really, I really enjoy it. It's more like burnt bananas almost. Um, I, I like halves. Um, they're usually a little too yeasty for me. Um, they get like into that realm of like a, a whip beer. Um, you know, people like to enjoy uh, oranges and shit. And I don't like any beer that you have to put fruit in to make it taste better. Don't fucking drink that. You know, uh, Corona, um, a fucking shock top. So you're not, a, you're not a, a blue moon guy is what you're saying, Mike. Blue moon. Right. Exactly. Um, don't don't put a piece of orange in my goddamn beer. Don't put a, a lemon or a lime in my beer. Just give me a goddamn beer that I can drink. This is good. Um, I'm going to give it one more sip and I'll uh, and I'll tell you I'll tell you what I think. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here drinking Sam Adams Holiday White Ale, which is described as citrusy and hazy, and I'm loving nice. it. And Mike, I got I got to say, like, I don't know, man, if you're on a hot beach in the Caribbean in Mexico, like, you can't say a Dos Equis, a Corona, or some sort of light Caribbean beer with some fruit is a bad thing. You cannot pitch me on that. I I, uh, I really enjoy like, um, I'll tell you, a, a good lager uh, is is colic. Um, you know, that's I mean, what my kid had when he had, uh, you know, that's colic. <laughs> that's colic. No, that was hand, foot, and mouth disease, Steve. Oh, hand, foot, and mouth, acid <laughs> reflux, colic, whatever you want to call it, Steve. Um, so I, no, this beer is this beer's good. Um, I could drink a few of them. Um, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna land on probably about a three point two. Three point two. <clears throat> No, it's it's a it's it's clear. It's you know it's kind of clear yellow. Um, it's a it's it looks like a wheat beer. Um, it's got that characteristic uh, kind of like German wheat wheat you know uh, kind of yeasty. But um, yeah, three point two sounds about right to me. Mike, That's I want to hear your um I want to hear your thought process as you're coming up with the the rating. <laughs> Right. I want to hear how do you calibrate this in your head? What are you comparing against? And 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 how do you decide that number? So so I, I calibrated against um so on one end, on one end, I had it's it's really style based. All right. So um I put this kind of in a style of a light beer, right? So I think of where it falls on taste, where it falls on like whether I like it or not taste where it falls on, like the color of it, the smell of it, like, cause you know, any kind of, uh, any kind of a, a drink or a food or anything that doesn't smell good is not going to taste good. Right. It, it, right off the bat, the first thing you do when you're taking a drink of something is you're putting your face in that glass 
and you're smelling what's going into your mouth before you actually put it into your mouth. Once it gets there, then you get the taste. So the first thing is you don't want to, you don't want a giant sensory overload of just fucking garbage going into your nose. You want to be able to smell a beer, smell that it's going to be good before you taste it. Right. So that's, that's, that's where I kind of go from there. If it smells good, it's going to, it's probably going to taste good. That's not always the, the, the case, but so my thought process is where does it sit in my style, in my style wheel? And then, um, in inside that style wheel, then I, then I kind of, I go, I go through smell, taste and drinkability. Like how many of these could I drink? Um, does it doesn't necessarily work out for like a double IPA, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if I, if it's like a 9.2% double IPA, I'm like, I could probably drink a lot of these, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. I could probably drink a lot of these, but I don't want to, <laughs> or I do want to drink a lot of these, but I shouldn't, you know? So um, it's, it's all, it's all style dependent really. So here's, here's my next question before I let you off the hook here. So a 3.2 in your light style beers, is that of equal quality in your mind to a 3.2 on a, a New England style IPA? Or because oh, yeah, yeah. you have a because you have a preference maybe towards the New England style, is that no 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 no? Um I I, I kind of I no, they all fall on the same scale. They're okay. all in the same scale, but it's just the the, the way I judge them is just it's style dependent like is this is this a good beer for like a wheat beer yeah it's a good fucking wheat beer it's a good german wheat you know or or belgian wheat uh versus an american wheat ale which you know yeast yeast the 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 content of the yeast and and, uh, the style of the yeast is different so it make it tastes different american wheat ales are really really light they're not as light as like a rice ale like your Budweiser's and that and your American lagers and that kind of stuff. But um, they don't have that yeast profile. Um, I don't know um, that like a, you know, a Belgian double has. Steve, you realize Mike's got, he's got gears and file cabinets in his mind that we don't even begin to comprehend. So I'm just going to give much respect. I, I, before we move on, I just need to address the slander um this this absolute slander so you want to file a complaint with hr as well steve i can handle that one for no, you. i'm going to air my grievances right here we don't need to get wait a minute wait a, a, a weird so this is this not is, festivus i'm just <laughs> the airing of grievances is not upon us so we should do an airing of grievances episode in about a month right? <laughs> perfect let's hear it steve what, what do you got though get us get us started the best beer I've ever had. So this was probably at this point, 2014, 2015, thereabouts. I did um, Tough Mudder for the first time. And for those of you who don't know, it's this 13 mile obstacle course that you just go through. And, and this was at uh, Mount Snow uh, in Vermont. So it's designed to kick the crap out of you for anybody who yeah. there's barbed yeah. wire and fire and they shoot fucking rockets at you. Yeah. And- Literally walking up the side of a mountain so that I could do obstacles and then somehow get back down the mountain with more obstacles in the way. It was brutal. 
13 miles of that. I think it took like four hours or something. Um, one of the guys that I was with was woefully out of shape and, uh, I mean, yeah, he held us back for a while until he, he tapped out around like the 10 mile mark. And, uh, my buddy and I finished it shortly after that. Um, but I'll tell you what though, at the end of that race, you know, the, you go through this, this little tunnel area after getting literally shocked with wires dangling that have a voltage going through them. Um, like I said, they shoot rockets at you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty brutal. Um, you know, so I've got somebody handing me a shirt. I got some guy handing me, you know, this like goodie bag full of like protein bars and right, and, right, and, right. and then there's this tent and somebody handed me a nice cold shock top. And that was the best beer that I have ever had in my life. Not shock top in, in general, just that one specific beer after kicking my ass for four hours up and down the side of a goddamn mountain um so they that that particular brain holds a special place in my heart for reviving me to a certain degree um, oh tell dude. miller where's that that's fine <laughs> i'll write him an email that's that's what I'll, do. I'll get my people to call their in, fa- in fact you saying that makes me want to kick your ass so, uh, Steve, I got your just back. like the tough mother did. <laughs> I, I got your back. Ass kicking right about now. I'll be very honest. Oh with man. You. See, while we're while we're on while we're on personal stories, here's one for you. So, I, I ran a a trail marathon once, and as I was crossing the finish line, they handed me a beer bucket full of beers. I don't even remember what the what the beers were, but they were you know cheap crappy beers, right? But like you said, they tasted phenomenal after after that experience. And as they handed the bucket to me, they said, congratulations, you won your age group. Now, for the, for those of you who don't know what I look like, Steve and Mike do, you know, I'm, I'm built for plowing fields. I'm, I'm not built for, you know, running, running races or doing anything quickly. So the fact that someone would say you won your age group is a remarkably shocking comment. Uh, he's until I went up. He's a workhorse. He, he's more of like a, 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 a out to pasture ox. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> So on that note, I so, guys. so I go, I go to look at the, you know, the finisher board where they show everybody's results and I did win my age group. However, I was the only person in my age group, but I, I still got the bucket full of beers and I was, you know, I can claim that, man. I won my age group in a trail marathon. So that's your trophy. Was, your trophy was a bucket full of beers. My trophy was a bucket full of beers. Absolutely. It's still in my office. Actually. I, I still have that, that, uh, that bucket. That's awesome. But with that, Mike, I don't know, man, when the world allows for it and things are better, um, I'm still saying hot Caribbean beach with a light beer with a crappy piece of fruit in it is a damn good way to drink a beer. So uh, we're going to, we're going to have to figure out time, time and place to make that happen at, at some point in time. Um, if, if you're man enough to handle that, we'll, we'll see. What it looks like. I'm man enough. To, I'm a man enough to handle it, but I'm also man enough to uh, give you my lime. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'll put that in my second beer. No problem. <laughs> all right this has been the extended version everyone of hey mike what you drinking so mike uh well done tonight you you got us going on a good good little bird walk rant there so let's uh let's get back to let's look ahead uh international breakdown a couple weeks off uh hopefully we get to see the manager put some things in place mike let's start with you would like to just hear your thoughts as we enter this break and what you'd like to see maybe coming out of the break what's the best version of of the next two weeks look like for you in your mind? Um, I, 
I think this comes at a perfect time. Um, uh, I was going to say earlier that, you know, it seemed to me that this was done so quickly that Pratichi must have at some point had conversations with Conte saying, hey, if this doesn't work out, can we rely on you as a backup plan? You know, he might have said, no, no, no. It's not the time. It's not the time. It's not the time. And then he probably looked at what he had for choices when he started to, you know, sitting around your house, you get a little bored sometimes. You're not working. Um, he probably started looking at his choices. He saw that fucking train wreck that is Man U. Um, their youth players don't know where they're at. Their high price signings don't know where they're at. Cristiano Ronaldo's there for one last paycheck and some glory. I don't think he wanted to go into that team. I think he see. I think he's he said he maybe had said that at one point. Uh, the Man U was the only place he wanted to go. I think that was probably blown out of proportion, and I think it was probably a fucking lie put put out to the media. But I like I I like this guy. I think he's exciting. Um, he was very animated. He was very frustrated today. And I think he was frustrated because he wants to get so much out of these guys. Um, and I know I said that I liked the way that Jose was animated on the sidelines. Um, this guy has a, this, this guy ain't fucking around, you know? He's out there being frustrated, not be not because what he's doing isn't working. He's out there being frustrated because his players aren't aren't giving the effort and putting in putting it into uh, putting it into practice what he has taught them. So, you know, again, it's only been a couple of days. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start you know um, mounting a plaque for this guy yet. And but at the same time, I'm not ready to kick him out of my club. Um, for what it's worth, thank you, Nuno. Thanks for trying. You're a really nice guy. Uh, Wicked Spursy probably love to have a beer with you guy with you sometime, but uh, you weren't you weren't the guy to do it. Uh, it's a, it was a tough group. Um, so I think I think going forward, Conte's going to have some time to work with the guys. Um, obviously, there's international breaks. There's World Cup qualifiers coming up. Um, so Hugo's got to go uh, play fucking Kazakhstan or somebody uh, coming up here uh, next week. Um, is Hugo going to go? Is he, does he go? He, he's going to go play, right? Yeah, so I think I, I saw Sonny's not going. Does that sound familiar to either of you guys? I didn't see that, but that's we don't need him getting hurt. We need him settled in. One of my yeah, one of my buddies. I, I think it is Kazakhstan. They're playing uh, in their World Cup qualifier, but. One of my buddies had said, what's the over-under on that, like 23? <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, they're going to be guys who are going to go play for the countries. Uh, we we now have some relaxed uh, some relaxed uh, quarantining on the, when they come back. So I think Conte is going to get to work with the guys who, get, who stay behind, um, i.e. Lucas, Bergwijn, Deli, um, Maybe Sonny, as you said, uh, Regulon. You know, I don't know. I don't even know if Brian Heal is going to go this time. I don't know if he was picked back up by Spain, but 
Um, I know there are a couple couple of players who were left off who are left off the the England team, right? I think Harris Kane the third deserves to be left off the England team, but that's just one yeah. guy's opinion. He's the only one who got Jaden, Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho got left off, um, which is not surprising, but he hasn't been playing. You know, I mean, yeah. there there are things that Man U has to do that, you know, that kind of mirror the things that we have to do. You know, which is cut bait with some of these guys and get the younger kids in there to play. Very true. And I and Steve I think you're I think you're going to see that play out in the next couple of weeks. I think I think we're going to solidify a lineup and and Conte uh, uh, is going to have this team firing. He's an exciting guy. I mean, he's in a he's just an exciting he's an exciting guy and he's an exciting coach. And I'm looking forward to see uh, how it plays out. Yeah, it's it's hard not to be excited about the possibilities ahead. It's, it's pretty cool, Steve. On that note, what's what's your best version coming out of the break look like? You know, I'm 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 curious more than anything. There's we have a number of players. It used to be, you know, in in like the height of Pochettino, that when these international rosters came out, just about the entire squad got called up in some capacity, right? And nowadays, you know, we've got a couple guys who are going out to like the U21s. You know, I think Skip got called to the U21s. Uh, but we have far fewer players going out for this international break. Um, so I think Conte's got, you know, they're obviously not the uh, first choice starting 11 type players who, who are going to be left behind, but some of the uh, the rotation players, some of these you know these squad players who uh, you know have have seen play you know as recently as Nuno, um, Conte is going to get to work with them, and I'm I'm mostly curious to see what he can do in this period. Um, you know, I think we got what two weeks until our next game. Um, that's that's a lot of time for for somebody like him, especially when you consider. Uh, well, I think it was before the, was it before the Everton game? Um, he had his pre-match conference and he kept them waiting like half an hour because he was still at, at, at training, drilling these, uh, these players, you know, if he puts that level of effort into some of these guys, I'm almost wondering if you start to see some of these fringe players, some of the guys that we were all convinced were out the door in January if they're going to start to turn it around and maybe we'll see a bit more of it, maybe we'll see Delhi come back. You know, he's, he's a hot one that a lot of people, you know, want to see, you know, bounce back to his prior form, you know, is Conte the guy to get that out of him. Um, but most importantly, especially with January coming up, I think it's going to give Conte a great look at which of the fringe players deserve to have a shot at the starting 11 and which of them deserve to be on their way out the door. You know, we mentioned it before. I'm sure we'll say it a thousand times while the season's uh, going on. Conte is the type of guy who demands everything from his players. He doesn't want anybody lazy at training. He doesn't want anybody half-assing it during a game. You need to put your body on the line. You need to give it your all. These next couple of weeks are going to let him see which of these guys have a chance and which of these guys need to just be cut essentially, you know, get them off to, to wherever, you know, whoever's going to pay you anywhere close to what you think they're worth, just 
get him out of the squad. The other thing, um, and this one I've been, I've kind of been thinking about for a while and I don't have a good answer. I'm curious what you guys think. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, Hoiberg, I think it was, he came out and he made a comment in an interview, uh, like, you know, my, the, the cleaning lady could be the coach and I would still go out there and give a hundred percent and everybody should be that way. And as much as I like the attitude, it's that, that last comment that had me thinking, you know, everybody should be that way. That almost sounds like, you know, kind of this passive slight against some teammates who maybe aren't putting their effort in. Is Conte going to find some of these, you know, I, I think uh, Pochettino had, had the most obvious case of the, the like bad attitude in the locker room. We've all seen that, that video interview of Conte saying he'd prefer to kill them, right? Um, is, is this going to be the period where it happens? Is he going to find some of these guys who think they're hot shit um, but aren't doing what they need to to deserve playtime? Like, is, is this going to be the period where he's finally like, you know what? Your attitude sucks. I never want to see you again. I think that you're going to see some of that too. You know, I, I think you're going to get players who think that, uh, you know, this is their time to shine. You know, the stars are out with their, their international squads. I can show coach what I can do, what I can offer. And then I think you're going to get a couple of players who maybe think that they're above it. You know, maybe think that they that they deserve to be playing for an upper echelon club, um, and don't want to put the effort in now. You know, because what if it hurts their team? What if they get injured in training and then they can't get their move? You know, something like that. And I think that's going to backfire at, uh, on them way more than uh, if they just tried and, and put some effort in. Um, I'm really curious to see what comes of this. I'm I'm I'm. I'm looking forward to, to the Conte effect at this point because, uh, you know, I think some of these guys, you know, we all know in the Spurs fandom who, who the guys are that you would name to your starting 11. It's the, the bench players, the rotation players that are a little more questionable. And that's what makes this so important for me. Um, it's like having, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with, with, with the coach, right. With, with the guy who's going to come and, and set things up if that these next two weeks, Nikki, I'm sure Nikki Winks is going to love to hear me say that Winks, this was your time to shine. You show coach Conte that you bleed Lily white and you deserve to be on that team sheet. Yeah. You know, cause, cause I, you know, from, from what I've seen of him and his limited interaction um, in the Conte system, I think with some proper coaching, he could be a really solid midfield player, maybe not starting 11, but certainly, you know, a cup player, a rotation player, a sub. Um, I, I think the, the, the a ball boy, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I've uh, seen security you know, guard. He's got, he's got the ability to play these passes, and Conte relies a lot on quick passing. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of it sideways and backwards, which is what we don't want. But if Conte can coach him into these quick, progressive passes, I think he's somebody who's got the skill to succeed there. But just as easily, if he doesn't want to put the effort in, Conte will make sure he never sees the, the field again. It's players like Wings, players like like Delhi, who I think this next two weeks is absolutely crucial for them and their long-term success at the club. That's, that's a hundred percent true. And, and uh, 
to be clear, uh, you know, with with me and I and I know I know I give winks so I I give him a lot of flack, but uh, it's it's never been his effort for me. You know, it's never been his effort. It's it's his quality as a as a footballer as a soccer player, and the in his constant back passing, his constant side passing, his his inability to to move the ball forward and maybe it's due to a coach and a style and tactics, but you play to your strengths, you know? And I know that Jose Mourinho had this way of you don't play my way. I'm going to just put you out in the desert to die kind of a thing. Um, You know, that's, that's what he does, but, I, I, you know, I, th- I think that Conte would rather kill somebody. I do think he would rather kill somebody immediately, right there on, right there on the practice pitch, um, rather than putting them out on an island and just letting them float there. Um, but you know, Winks, I think, I think that Winks can be a quality player. I just don't think he is anymore. So here's the question I have. Um, <clears throat> I was going to ask who, like, who are the guys who who we think need to show something, and, and you guys both answer that, but. I want to go back to something that I think Mike said, which was you don't see Hoybier and Skip potentially working out in this midfield system. So, so where does Winks fit into that? Because in my calculus, like I'm putting Skip above Winks on a skill and impact level. So if Hoybier and Skip aren't working out, um, where does Winks or where do the other two guys fit in? Like how does how does that play out long term in your minds? I think I think Skippy. I think Skippy and Hoiberg are interchangeable. Mm. I think Skippy's a, a, a quite honestly, I think he's a little better uh, on the ball. Um, I think his passing is better. Um, I think that Hoiberg is. I think that Skippy's quicker and he's able to get back on on defense quicker too. I think overall, like he's got a lot of talent um, that we're going to look for, and and you know, in a player, but he doesn't get forward. You know, he's good. On, like I said, he's good on the ball, but he doesn't get forward. He doesn't make those progressive passes forward. Um, yeah. So, so Mike, I think I agree with you. Here's he's a guy, he's a guy who thrives. Yeah. He's a guy who thrives when he's able to look around and see what's going on around him, but he's not going to be the guy to push the ball like a, like a winks used to be or, or should be, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that, him and Hoiberg bring different skill sets, but I don't know if they can be on the field together anymore. It's yeah, just so here's the interesting twist, Mike, on that. You, you also mentioned um, Hoiberg's comments earlier, and or, or maybe that was Steve. I'm sorry if I'm yeah, I'm, it was Steve. But... So the interesting piece for me is if they're not on the field at the same time, that means one of them starting, the other is is coming in as the sub for that type of role. And I love Hoybier's comments, which sort of directly, but kind of passively aggressively dig out his teammates for not stepping up. He did that last weekend regarding the coach. You know, they asked him what was up, like, oh, I shouldn't go too far. And everybody knew exactly what he meant. Um, and when he when he digs out teammates about people not trying hard, like you love to see that when he's a leader on the team. What I'm curious about with Hoybier is what happens if Skippy's starting and Hoybier's coming off the bench 
um, and giving him a spell late in the game, does that passive aggression become problematic? Maybe I'm looking for trouble here, but I think there's just an interesting like twist to that where Hoybier's leadership and impact, does it become problematic if he's not the guy? I don't think so. I, I, I don't know that. I think he's also talented, um, but uh, maybe maybe he's not as talented as we thought. Um, maybe he just went out there and and, and blew it up um, when he was when he was playing last year. Like every single game, you saw that guy. He was bloody. He was injured. Like he, you know, he looked like the the little fi- the little fife player in the painting of the of the of the you know the Revolutionary War. Right. He had the big <laughs> bandage on his head. Um, you know, he's, he, know he was our Viking. Uh, I still love the guy. I think he's a, I think he's a great leader, um, but maybe he's not as talented. Maybe he's not as good of a player as we thought he was. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to tell until we figure out, you know, what our, what we, what we have under this coach, because we know what we have on what we had under Jose. We know what we had under Nuno. Um, Let's let's see what we. I mean, the, basically the same players, but we got to see again. Like it's like a restart, you know. Um, see what we've got under this under this new coach. The same players, but they might have different skill sets in a different system. Very well put. Very well put. Hey boys, let's. Uh, we're 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 on like an hour fifteen. We are among Ooh. our longest episodes ever. We're just bringing it tonight. So Steve, let's go to you with closing thoughts why don't you uh wrap us up from your end what are you thinking about i'm just um i mean i'm excited i think that this is um a turning point for for spurs uh, i'm curious to see what sort of if any um movement we see in the january market i know it's notoriously difficult uh one to to operate in um but that said i think that conte starting to see the areas in the squad that he personally would like to see improved. Um, I think Parasici has known um, certainly that we need, uh, you know, one or two key key players um, in, in certain areas, striker being the one that comes to mind most because, I mean, Dane Scarlett is just not ready to be that, that substitute slash starting striker. Um, so, you know, we need to get somebody like that in and, uh, there have been a couple of, of, you know, little rumors, you know, not quite big noise uh, that some of these guys that are on the, uh, you know, they're on the final year of their contract. Uh, they might be trying to move them on in January. Uh, Kessie from AC Milan is, is one of those guys. Uh, we'd be curious to see if that's somebody we try to try to get in the January window. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how things go. I'm not really expecting too much. Um, you know, we've, we've got an easy stretch of games coming up when we get back from internationals. Um, not that really any game is, is easy in the league, but certainly they're not super intimidating, right? It's not like we're playing Manchester City, Chelsea, you know, right in a row. It's it's what we've got, like Leeds and Burnley and you know, some of those, those clubs that on paper we should be beating, you know, without a second thought, which in and of itself kind of worries me, but that's besides the point. Um, it's, it's when we kind of turn that corner into the new year, um, 
you know, people have started to settle into the Conte system. He's identified the strong players, the guys who are going to give that, give him their all, um, the guys who are going to, going to, you know, fit his, his tactics incredibly well. And the guys who are frankly on their way out the door, we'll have identified that all in the next couple of weeks here, you know, maybe by the end of December, um, we'll start maybe seeing some new blood coming in January. And then I think that the back half of the season is where we make it or break it. And on the back of what I've seen so far in the brief tenure, that is the Conte era, you know, he's got his plan. It looks like the players are buying into it. It looks like the effort more importantly is, is, is there, you know, I mentioned it to you guys today. The draw today isn't as upsetting to me, you know, because these guys actually look like they give a shit. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm much more willing to put up with, um, you know, this concept of patience and, and, and um, struggling and suffering, I think is what Conte had said, we're, we have to suffer. Um, you know, I'm willing to put up with all of that simply because there is a plan. You can see the plan, the players see the plan, um, you know, it's, it's not perfect. The balls aren't quite there. You know, you saw a lot of long balls, um, from, from our boy Hoiberg that just were overcooked or, or, you know, not quite accurate enough. Kane wasn't getting the final ball through, uh, you know, a number of times Lucas turned it over a number of times, but you see what they're trying to do and how the margins are so thin. Like once we start pulling that shit off regularly, we are going to be so dangerous to teams. Um, and, and that alone gives me the patience to put up with, a, you know, a, a, a sort of unimpressive draw at Everton. Because I can see that something brilliant is right around the corner. And I am so looking forward to that. Yeah, Steve, very, very well put. Um, Mike, how about you? What's your, uh, what are your closing thoughts as we wrap up tonight? Um, <clears throat> I just, I, I, I really am. I, I, I guess I just said it before, but I'm really excited about this. I'm excited about some, uh, some transfers that, that we've heard about. Um, like Steve said, um, Cassie is a big one. Um, and to go back to our midfield discussion, uh, uh, Nicolo Barella is another one we're talking about. And Vlaovic is another one. Um, so like those are guys that, that Conte knows already. Um, he's worked with Barella, right? So, so um, you know, all young players, ready to go, raring to go. You're going to see some guys being in the next couple of months. You're going to hear things. You're going to see things, um, guys being shuffled out um, to, to make room for the new guys. We just don't know who it's going to be right now. Um, I, think, I think your money guys are going to be are probably going to be a Lucas Mora. He's going to fetch a little bit of money. Um, Deli Alley is going to fetch a little bit of money for you. I don't know if, if Deli is going to fetch the money that that Levy wants. You know, from, from from a couple of years ago, right? Right. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just I'm just very excited to watch how everything evolves under this coach. Um, everything that I've heard, everything that I've that I've seen out of him so far, I like. Um, 
I think I liked what Nuno had to say at the beginning too. But like that was some that that was a little bit of of me going he he's here to heal us. Um we don't need to be healed anymore actually. We need somebody to cut us open so that we can find a way to to you know lick our own wounds to heal our own wounds. We don't need somebody to do it for us. You know. So I I I really think that that Conte's that guy. Um he's going to he's going to walk by you and hit you with a razor blade and you're going to be like, "Fuck, that hurt." Okay, I got to do something about this, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um I I like I I I like that approach. Uh I like that approach approach a little better. I just don't I I I don't think the way that Jose did it worked, you know, um calling out guys, uh, throwing people under the bus all the time. Um, not accepting any responsibility. This coach will re- accept the responsibility when his when it's his to accept, and he'll call up players when it's when it's theirs to to uh, to take. Um, and on that note, I am just gonna say, um, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You googled that, didn't you? I uh, did Google that because I could <laughs> not get it out of my mouth. <laughs> Uh, but I'm saying it, and I will say it probably three more times in the next couple of weeks. So it's all yours, buddy. We're giving that one to you. Stay tuned, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here, here are my closing thoughts. I've I've never been more optimistic about a team that's ninth in the table than I am at the moment. You know, when I look back to the end of the the Potch era, if you guys recall, that was November of uh, 2019 and we were sitting 14th in the table and Jose came in and I believe we finished that, that season um, sixth. We, we, we got sixth on the last day. So, you know, the concept of moving up the table is not problematic at all. When I look at who's above us, uh, eighth is Wolves. We're a better squad than, than Wolves. We haven't played Brighton yet. I think we're a better squad than Brighton, even though I, I love their coach. I think he's a, he's a, He's a heck of a coach. I think we're a better squad than Man U, even though they they made us look like fools last week. I still think we're a better squad than them. The scum are above them. Uh, Liverpool's questionable in my mind, but I do think we're a better squad ultimately than West Ham. I think we actually showed that a couple of weeks ago, even though we didn't we didn't come out w- with what we wanted. And hopefully we'll show that in the coming weeks when I think we've got them in one of the comp- cup competitions again. Um coming up soon but the concept of moving up the table for this ninth place squad is not not scary or problematic in my mind so i feel good about that i'm excited to see what the conte era um looks like and plays out as overall so that said it's, it's a good time to be optimistic i think it's a good time to be a, a Spurs supporter and uh it's a good time to do a podcast with you gentlemen so i appreciate both of you thanks for thanks for doing this tonight as always come on you spurs a little lucas coys 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 for mike and uh be good to each other take care of people make good decisions be kind all that important stuff get your damn vaccines don't be aaron Rodgers. don't pull any of that nonsense uh sorry if i offend anybody out there with that but actually i'm not sorry if i offend you with that don't be aaron Rodgers and pull that and kind don't of nonsense. listen to joe rogan <laughs> and don't yeah. listen to joe rogan all right with that we appreciate it. this is this is wicked spursy and uh take care have a good week be safe